0: Bem-vindos ao Podcast Trilingue, um podcast que falamos inglês, português e várias bostas. Eu sou o Fábio, eu morei nos Estados Unidos por quatro anos.
1: E eu sou a Gabi, eu morei na Austrália por quatro anos.
0: Esse é um podcast com uma pegada um pouco diferente. Nós vamos falar sobre coisas corriqueiras, só que em inglês.
1: Alright, alright, alright. Bem-vindos de volta ao Trilingue Podcast. Agora sem dia de semana, sem semana, sem rotina... A gente tá, tá, tá indo. Tá mudando o jeito. Tá o caos, né, meus amigos? Como que tá por aí? Aqui tá puro
0: creme do milho de caos.
1: Pois é. Ou só o pó, né? Como o Fábio tava falando agora mesmo, antes de começar.
0: A Gabi tá só o pó.
1: Meu Deus. para quem, quem,
0: quem sabe, sabe.
1: <risos> Enfim, né, Brasil? Então, falando sobre assuntos super relevantes nesse nessa nosso papo aqui, a gente vai falar sobre entrevistas e... Dicas de entrevistas, como você pode se preparar para uma entrevista em inglês, eu acho que muita gente tem um pouco desse medo, desse pavor de entrevista, então a gente vai falar um pouco sobre isso e talvez também os tipos diferentes de entrevistas em outros países, outras posições e quais são algumas dicas universais para vocês conseguirem um emprego muito top no exterior.
0: Exato, igual a Gabi, que conseguiu esse emprego muito top de host nesse podcast, ganhando um total de zero dinheiro zero mas mais tempo
1: diversão. Porém, estamos indo, né?
0: É, passou direto, enviou o currículo falou, eu estudei na Austrália, bora gravar? Falei, você tá dentro.
1: Pois é, e aqui estou hoje.
0: Tô 50% de tudo que é o do podcast, que no momento não é nada, mas vai saber.
1: Vai saber, vai que esse episódio aqui estoura. Vai que a gente faz um um com aqui não violante e aí, ó. Vamos lanchar Ah, também.
0: É o nosso break. (risos) Alô, Spotify, estão pagando o Duolingo? Cadê o Duolingo mais 18 aqui? Pois é. Aqui é.
1: Duolingo do bem, aqui é o Duolingo do bem. Aquilo lá do Duolingo do mal. (risos) Duolingo do mal porque é chato. Você que é legal, pelo menos, (risos) entendeu?
0: Uau, throwing shade, famoso throwing shade já no, no concorrente, é. tá certo.
1: Coca-Cola e Pepsi, estamos aqui na, na, na campanha contra.
0: Ah, um adendo que eu acho incrível dos Estados Unidos é que nas propagandas eles podem ser explicitamente contra o concorrente. É Sim. tipo, sabe o meu concorrente? Pau no cu dele, ele é bosta, compra Sim. do meu.
1: Nossa, eu, eu pensei nisso agora quando eu falei Coca-Cola e Pepsi por causa do shade, né? Nossa, eu lembro a primeira vez que eu fui para os Estados Unidos, a gente estava assistindo uma propaganda da Coca-Cola é, na televisão do hotel. E eu nunca esqueço, tipo, eles falando mal da Pepsi real, assim. Real mesmo. Eu lembro da propaganda, tipo, falando Pepsi é uma bosta, Coca é muito bom. Pepsi te traz tristeza, Coca te traz felicidade, sabe? Era esse, tipo... Enfim, muito bom.
0: É. Pra você que nunca assistiu televisão nos Estados Unidos Televisão normal mesmo É sempre isso Durante as sitcoms tem propagandas de outras sitcoms Na partezinha de baixo Normal acontece Propagandas em que eles jogam shades assim De graça no concorrente E propaganda de remédio Que tem assim, pra um cacete
1: Tem, isso é verdade E de dieta também All the time All the time
0: Gabby let me know what was the first do you remember the first ever interview that you had to do it in English
1: yeah yes so I think two situations that were really uh, marking for me and they were not like corporate jobs they were like regular uh, waitress jobs or like um, uh, I forgot the name barista job so The thing is, I've never worked as a waitress or a barista. Barista is who makes coffee. Who makes coffee. Like if you go to Starbucks, you have a barista who's making your Starbucks coffee. Um, We think it's easy, but it's actually pretty fucking hard. And I just was going to wing it. I was like, I did even a course like a barista course because I wanted to learn how to do it for myself. And also I wanted to work. And I didn't want to wait to, to wait waiter that's right right
0: i guess yeah i
1: think so yeah so i didn't want a waiter so i decided that i wanted to be a barista um in the end i lasted like a month in the job but i remember it was so hard because i had to convince this guy that i knew what i was doing and i didn't know <laughs> what
0: I was doing. the famous fake it till you make it
1: yeah so he hired me for a few weeks and I was like, oh, yeah, totally got this. And I didn't. So it was like an interview every fucking day because it was like a casual like uh, contractor. So basically, you don't have a contract. Um, You're just a third party and he pays you the day. So I would go there and he, he would have to explain everything to me like over and over again. And, you know, frothing the milk. That is hard. You know what frothing is? What is that? frothing is the process that you make the milk into something creamy. So you have different stages of froth and different kinds of coffee have different kinds of pouring. So really crazy because like if you get a flat white, for example, you have to pour the the milk onto the coffee from an upper um, level so that the creamy, creamy part will stay at the end of the jug. And then you pour the thinner milk into the, the cup because a flat white doesn't have the, the creamy part on top. Whereas if you have a latte, then you have to pour it um, close to the cup because the latte is more creamy, has more milk at the top. And different milks froth in a different way at a different speed and a different temperature. So imagine in Australia when you had like oat milk, almond milk, regular milk, low fat milk, everything milk like it, anyways this is not about me being a barista but it's it was hard because Just, to yeah so frothing is whenever something goes wrong with it no so frothing is um so you know when you heat up the milk in the microwave frothing is like heating up the milk but then you have like a little tube that has vape vapor vapor really hot Steam, like really hot steam coming out of it. And then you have to put it in a certain position in the jug. And then in that position, it will start heating up the milk, but at the same time, stirring it so it doesn't burn. So you need to stir it up until a certain point and you can't let it bubble too much. So you can't let air get into the milk that much. Um, but you have to let it bubble a little bit and you have to be aware of the temperature. And how you be aware of the temperatures because the jug is actually aluminum. Aluminum, so you have to like put your hand on the bottom to see if it's actually hot. So that's the tricky part because you're heating up the milk that is cold from the fridge, and you need to heat it up without burning it or without making it too bubbly or too. Um, yeah, it needs to look like paint, white paint. That's what they used to say, like no bubbles. needs to look like clear and it was really hard with regular milk it was easy but with if you got like almond milk or oat milk that's why they have barista milk like barista oat milk or barista almond milk because they have a a higher concentration of fat which makes it easier for the barista to uh, make it into a frothy milk
0: insanely complex that's crazy because (laughs) <laughs> I love going into the nuances of industries or jobs because mm-hmm. you get to know so much about the world. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it's so just an FYI for whoever is anxious. We're just going to talk a little bit about stories. And in the end, we're going to give tips. Like, yeah, <laughs> for, for whoever is looking for tips towards the end. But going into the nuances of different jobs is insane because I have a mm-hmm. friend that works for Procter & Gamble, uh-huh. the, the conglomerate. Mm-hmm. and actually the the other, the host of my other podcast, and she works by managing the people that go into the stores and set up the shelves. So they have specific people inside the companies mm-hmm. that go towards pharmacies and supermarkets and stock the shelves and make them look pretty and put the products in the right positions.
2: Mm-hmm. As
0: if you, whenever you go into the cashier, you can see that there are a certain certain products in there that are made for you to buy whenever you're almost checking out Mm -hmm. so just like an impulsive buy and there are people that their jobs is to go there and set those up and whenever i go to supermarkets or usually those atacadão you can Mm -hmm. usually see a lot of those people and you see them working and doing that and and you're like oh my god I, i understand that there are people that do this now I never even thought about it before. Just like the barista thing. Like the differences in milks.
1: I have a question though, regarding that position that maybe you'll be able to answer. Um, First, do they have to pay to be at a better position? Into the, you know, because the shelves, they're positioned in a way that the product that you see, so you would naturally like think in a position like that, you have to know average height, of the woman that you're trying to, to achieve, average age, how much they would go for a cheaper product versus a more expensive product and um, know how to get your target audience if they are impulsive buyers or not. Cause that's basically marketing, but in a physical space. So for you to get to this position, Procter, Procter and Gamble, uh, did, what, did, what did they sell like in terms of shampoo or whatever? Like that's what they do, right?
0: they do everything they like own a bunch of different brands i don't know which ones but they own like a bunch of them like Gillette is the head and
1: shoulders i think it's from them head and shoulders yeah probably i think so so i think head and shoulders sell more with men so they would know where to position it in the shelves to achieve their target audience but they also have a lot of different brands that would be competing with them for the same target audience So that's Mm -hmm. something that I always think about. Do they pay for the shelf? Like, do they pay for this exclusive, easy to find position or the supermarket just does whatever the fuck they want?
0: I asked the exact same question because how do you position people and how do you negotiate space on the shelves? So it's based not only on contracts, but they also have different setups for market leaders. So as if you are a market leader, you have most of the market share, you cannot pick like the best premium positions. They kind of balance it out. Mm. So it's like really complex. There isn't like one specific or a few specific metrics that they use to define the space on the shelves. Usually differentiates from store to store and it's a lot based on relationship that you have there and that the salespeople or those people that organize things haven't with those stores. And it's it's a lot of different aspects that mm-hmm. tell which place on the shelf you're gonna be at. But probably the, the most sold ones are the ones on the most premium sites that you can see easier.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. Like that's so such an interesting aspect. To think about because when you're shopping you don't really think about this right um but yeah relationships. Uh, yeah that's that's the key for i think everything globally like having a good relationship with people make it easier for you to get a job anyway yeah,
0: gets you very very far just knowing people mm-hmm. you can get information you can understand the job because that's a big part of going to jobs People Mm -hmm. want to know on interviews, if you know what you're applying for, like, why do you want the job? Mm -hmm. Why here? Those are questions that if it's in Portuguese or in English is very good if you have it well-defined and structured uh, on a structured way that you're going to deliver that to whoever is asking Mm -hmm. so that you actually have done your homework and show interest in the job and show interest in the company Yeah. and not just, I'm here to get paid because it looks Mm -hmm. just fun. Because nothing is really fun. So, some no. jobs are kind of fun. And you're going to like a lot of things about it. But they're also going to be shitty. And a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to get tired of it. A lot. Like many, many times. Mm-hmm. So it's not all roses. It's not, it's not yeah. all Disneyland shit. Even yeah. Disneyland with our guest.
1: Uh, you know yeah, that, so. exactly. Working for Disney is not the best. It's funny. Working for... Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say about relationships like I landed two jobs on relationships like landed as in it did help me a lot um once one was with uh, as a waitress because I knew it was the cafe that I used to go all the time Jamaica Blue it was the name Jamaica Blue in Wollongong I used to go there all the time and I would get coffee for my boyfriend at the time and I would get him food etc every morning and then I became friends with this girl that worked there called Belinda. And then um, they had like an opening and I was like, Oh, Belinda, I need a job. <laughs> and she's like, okay, come in tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I don't fucking know what I'm doing, but I'll come. <laughs> and- a
0: little panic. Like I already got it. Oh my God. I have to work tomorrow yeah. on something. I have no idea what it is.
1: Yeah. It was, a, I-, I was going to be a waitress and I was going to serve tables and, You know, I was in Australia for a year, I think, but still they had really weird people with weird accents and I couldn't really understand. And I was mistreated a lot actually, because I was a foreigner. Although I look like the stereotype, you know? I'd say that um, you'd expect people to be more, have more prejudice, principally in Australia for black or indigenous people. But actually, they're very, very shitty people. Like, they are they are terrible. They hate everyone. And they have a lot of immigrants in that country. Like, all of them are immigrants because they killed all the indigenous people or most of them. So anyways, me ranting about Australians. Um, but yeah, so I was friends with Belinda and Belinda gave me a job. And that was the first time that I understood how hard it is to be a waitress and stay on your feet like 12 hours a day wow like wow
0: (laughs) and you have shitty clients Mm -hmm. and remembering the orders like you gotta know every everything everyone has
1: yeah so if you want to like open a restaurant i highly recommend having an ipad on the table and just getting people to order their own shit (laughs) just bring it to them because that is like that is half the cost and also half the job so easy for everyone nobody's unsatisfied or dissatisfied because they don't get their their things so yeah
0: yeah the tablets were a revolution we're taking people simple jobs not that simple jobs but some jobs that are easily substituted by technology and doing it
1: yeah crazy so that's why we
0: need universal income. Yeah. Just to balance it out. You know, some people have too much. Just pay everybody a little bit. I but that's me ranting on.
1: Without doing anything.
0: <laughs> I mean, we should.
1: Yeah. Somehow
0: we landed on this planet just to grow food and fish and to hunt. And we ended up doing Excel sheets every day. Like, how the fuck yeah. did this happen?
1: I know and faking that I actually understand what I'm doing (laughs) but yeah the the other job that I landed on relationship was actually my job now in Australia my friends got hired like two months before me and I was like I don't care I'm gonna go (laughs) and I tried and I just used their influence-ish, like they had a name. So I knew somebody inside the company that is super important for multinational companies, by the way. Um, And I knew somebody from inside. So that already was like, oh yeah. And the girl helped me connect with some people to do my case. Because at Uber, you have to do a case to get in. So you have to present a case and build a case and, you know, do all the data analysis of things that you have no idea what they're talking about and leave me even when you're inside you won't have any idea what they're talking about but still you have to do it and deliver it and you know literally fake it till you make it so i would say that was the hardest interview interview i've ever done in english because i was so nervous imagine wow it was crazy you have to
0: build up an entire case and present it? Like you have to gather all the data, create slides and then present. What does the project consist of and how does it finish? Do you give a conclusion on it? Do you give a recommendation on it?
1: So every position is different and every case is tailored to what you will be doing when you're at the job. So they know or not if you have the capability or the capacity to actually perform the job. And they also measure your learning curve. So in my case, it was really, really lucky because nobody from inside, from the COE, that's how we call it, um, the offices for centers of excellence, which is like um, a place where you handle all the service oriented things, you know? Like if you're an Uber customer and you complain, people like me will be tailoring your, your service with the operations team that will be, you know, anyways. Technicalities. Um, But yeah, we we ensure that you have the best uh, service you can. And for that case in particular, I was working, um, I would get into U4B, which is Uber for Business, that in Brazil is really new, but in Australia was already pretty developed. And I would come into the operations team as a premium support specialist. So I would only handle the premium companies that would use Uber for transporting their employees from point A to point B and my case was based on how I would improve the experience of these people so I had to do an analysis of data that they would provide and decide on some strategy on how to improve that and believe me I was so nervous I forgot how to speak English like I could not I was like shaking and sweating Cause you get into the office first place, like you get into Uber office in Australia in Sydney and it's beautiful It has this amazing view. And like, you have a big logo of Uber and you're like, fuck, I'm actually in this bloody multinational company right now. And they have like tables for um, table tennis and a whole kitchen full of like food, free food. You know, you're like, this is the fucking dream. They had a barista. They would give you coffee for free. I was like, I wanna, I wanna live here. Can I live here? You know, that just made me so nervous that when I sat on the table and I had to present, I was like, oh fuck, I don't even know. And they ask you questions, and you're like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> I'll pretend, I'll, I'll try my best here, but you know, I don't know. Um, and I was really lucky that I I got this job. But yeah. So I think tip number one from this experience, interviewing in English for a multinational company, relationships, tip number two, make your presentation with talking points, all in English. And tip number three, if you're you know, at home, drink some tea, relax. I actually brought tea once to one interview because I was too nervous. And I I drink chamomile tea and really helps me and breathing exercises with music. That's what I do. I just listen to like some calming music because I'm really nervous. And I breathe like with the nose and exhale with the mouth. For when you really want something, it feels like it's so far away from you to getting it because you're just so nervous. So I do really recommend those five tips, I think that I gave no.
0: (laughs) I love it. Breathing is such an important exercise for everything. It calms you down. It can heat you up. Like there are people that do breathing exercises prior to taking cold showers and that's actually how they do it. Taking cold showers, even whenever it's freezing outside, because you heat up your body through breathing, you can slow down your heartbeats. You can calm yourself down. It's amazing. Breathing is like Mm -hmm. a super crazy exercise. And I love all those tips. Yeah, I think practicing in the language that you're going to have to deliver the the interview is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And that's something, because there are a lot of different few words that you want to have on the tip of your tongue and actually know them instead of thinking through your, going through your mind and trying to find the exact Mm -hmm. word because it slows down your thought process and breaks Mm -hmm. your flow down. And that's actually something I'm facing right now. Cause all my, I'm having, I'm going to have an interview in probably a couple of days and it's in Portuguese, but all the material to study it, it's in English and I have to Still go are. back and forth between studying it in English and then practicing it in Portuguese mm-hmm. to get to know all those terms in Portuguese. And those like business terms are all business terms that I've become comfortable with or acquainted with in English, because I studied in the US. And that's where I got most of the material for everything business related. Mm-hmm. It's usually international stuff. And I have never had exposure to business lingo in Brazil. So it's going back and forth between those. It's pretty interesting, but preparing yourself to actually speaking the language, whenever it's different than the one you're practicing in, or that you have become mm-hmm. acquainted or used to, it's quite important to not break your flow and deliver the best interview possible
1: yeah for sure for sure
0: and on the matters of people having connections that help you get in whenever i got into the lab in the u.s i helped to actually one of my friends to also get in there it was like Mm -hmm. i wanted to work at a lab i mentioned the, the one i worked at and got him an interview and then he got in we worked together a couple times mm-hmm. which was super fun i was almost exiting he was still in school and i saw him there just working on his research and doing shit it was fun it's fun whenever you can get someone a job yeah or get someone an, an opportunity to get that job yes I that's think probably that's you yeah.
1: that's the right terminology because you don't get anybody a job but you can get you people know. the opportunity and they just have to live up to it you know
0: Yeah, you went there and you delivered at Uber and you got it.
1: Yeah. I think that the other thing that is important, at least I do, is prepare for possible questions. I have like a general question list that I go through. So... Why do you want this job? What motivates you to be here? What are your values? Like, what is what makes you a good person to work with, or what makes you a bad person to work with? What do you need to work on yourself, etc.? And then, sp- what are your
0: flaws? Yeah. Your biggest flaw.
1: Yeah. And then I always say my biggest flaw is also my biggest opportunity because you know you have to mm-hmm. you have to upsell yourself. Don't be afraid to tell them that you're amazing. Like, I think that is the most important part. Like, you can't tell them that you're shit. They don't want to hire anyone that is shit. I actually told that to one of my, um, my like, not employee, but she's in my team. So I'm her lead. Um, she was in an interview process and she's like, oh, but I don't know what to do. I was like, just tell them how fucking amazing you are. And just pretend that you believe in, in all of that you're saying. Because people don't want to hire someone that they don't believe in you know they want to know that you know because if you don't know they won't know so that's that's the confidence and preparing prep prep prep
0: and whenever they go for your flaws try to or any other question try to understand what they're trying to get out of that question Mm -hmm. because there's a purpose they're not doing that just for doing it there's Mm -hmm. no list of questions that they have to go through They want to understand you. And sometimes understanding your flaws, it's not like I'm lazy. You're not going to get the job. Mm -hmm. Try to go for something that you know it's a vulnerability in your skill set maybe. I don't have a lot of experience, but I have all these things laid out. Understanding, knowing that for the interviewer, knowing that you know not only about yourself, but about your skill set and the parts that you're probably lacking It's important because you want to know if the person is doing a bad job, you want to know that they know where they can improve instead Mm -hmm. of having to rely on constant feedback for them to overcome something they're not being able to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're interviewing in the same company, one thing that makes it easier for you to level up is to get a project that everybody knows that you've delivered or that they don't know you've delivered, but they know about the project. And if you actually worked on it, use that to leverage you. Because that is something that sometimes you don't even need to speak as much in at least the first interview. If you have something that it speaks for you. So if it's internal, an internal promotion, just use things that people know. Like how you are as an employee, for example. How you are in the company. But yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a, a pretty good way of selling yourself just demonstrating things that are in actual real realm like Mm -hmm. reality what did you do how did you overcome things those are going to come your way and one thing that I learned from one thing that I'm doing right now the all the interviews and the process I'm going through is for consulting
2: so -hmm. consultants
0: they do strategic work for big companies Mm -hmm. a company comes to them with a question they don't know what to do they don't know if they're gonna they should enter this business or create this new product, or buy that company. And they hire people from outside their company to do all the diligent work, gather the data and give them a recommendation. Mm -hmm. So those people are paid to do that. And the way they do it is they're so well structured all the time, everywhere. And top executives are also like that, Mm -hmm. which is insane to me. How we don't learn those things at school, how to think, how to be structured in your thinking. It's not just mumbling words and brainstorming solutions out of nowhere and jotting down everything you can think of whenever a problem comes to you and you just (laughs) jot solutions. You stop, you strategize, you break down into important core elements, you prioritize those core elements Mm -hmm. and then you deliver. And then you get also, you can also get very insightful if you're very structured and problem-specific which is something that I was baffled by and don't know how we do not get those things in school. Like the way we think I've been trying that with people that say that they don't know math a lot or that they can't do math in their head. And I've seen that trend on Facebook on comments, like they give a specific math equation, not equation, but a problem Mm -hmm. or multiplying. How would you multiply these two numbers? And then people describe it how they do, how they go through the process in their heads and it shows that those people that are actually good in math, they don't have a a special skill, they just learn how to break down those problems into way simpler things.
1: Yeah and I think that is um, just on the subject of strategic thinking, it is also very gendered because of society I think that naturally we expect boys to be better at maths and be better at these things. So we don't stimulate our girls as much as we do our boys to actually understand how to do the analytics part or other things like that, because technically women are good at human humans stuff or humane stuff humanas um, and communication and boys are good at maths and numbers and stuff. So um, I think that, Like for me, I'm a person that if I try, I will get I'll get there, you know, and a lot of these things that you just described to me feels like the process we go through in a project. Like if I'm building a project, if I'm building a case, if I'm building something, I know that I have to have the data for it and I need to have prioritization because you can't really get everything at once so you need to know your stakeholders communication plan how you're going to structure it how is your project um going to be delivered etc so a lot of what you said to me feels like how you build a project but it's actually into another level because you're actually building a plan for a company or like someone or you can even do it to yourself so i totally agree i think that is so important and thinking like that I feel like I could actually learn how to be more analytical or you know more numbers focused if I learned how to deliver the same kind of strategy thinking to my daily life so I think that's a really really good tip as well for who's going to go into an interview because if you learn how to break down your situation you can probably deliver a better interview
0: Yeah, you got to break down bigger problems into simpler, more gullible things. And that goes just everywhere. And you structure everything all the time, which is insane. It takes a lot of brain power to do it Mm -hmm. all the time. So sometimes you're just going to relax. But even at I'm trying to do more with my talking, with me speaking, being more structured and to the point. And that's also the reason why in the beginning of the podcast, I told people, okay, this is the part where we're going to tell stories and then we're going to give tips.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Just so that whenever you tell people what you're going to do, they understand it and they know what to expect and they know how this is going to be structured,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which is insane. I I loved it. And I love how you can apply those aspects of things towards anything in your life that you actually wanted to work. Mm -hmm. Just structure it. Don't be boring because you can get very technical and very boring very easily whenever Mm -hmm. you go too deep on those things to also know how to balance yeah people are not gonna hire robots you have to pass yeah. the test for being human you're gonna have to work with other people be structured but still be a, a person
1: yeah yeah and you know what you just reminded me of um when I was at uni in Australia my first my first degree not the master's degree I was I had interview one-on-one classes the and
0: masters, I loved it
1: Masters. I had a interview 101 classes and I remember I I did get like 100 out of 100 in that, but it was literally structure. They gave us a program and we had to follow even the way you would speak. I don't remember now and I lost the material because my computer stayed in Australia, <laughs> but um, if I had the material, I would definitely share with everyone because it was really good, it taught, it taught you how to speak your sentences, so that the person understands exactly what you're trying to say, so it had like a, a structure to, to talking during an interview, and if they asked you anything, and um, my final exam on that was actually an interview, and that interview I passed as well with 100, so It is so funny because everything is a structure. If you want to do something right, you need to have process. You need to have um, strategy. You need to have analytical thinking. You need to have data. You need to have examples. You need to have, you know, a full plan for the person to be like, fuck, you know what you're saying.
0: Mm -hmm. You're not lost in the process. This guy knows what he's doing, or at least if he doesn't, he knows how to get there Mm -hmm. because he knows the path. Whenever you know how to navigate things, dude, everything becomes way easier. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be learning, not how to memorize stuff. We should be learning how to create the paths towards getting wherever we want and doing yeah. whatever we're trying to do.
1: I didn't like school, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why. Come on, school. You're <laughs> dropping the ball. Dropping the ball hard. Yeah. But going back to the and completely off topic out of here because I think we gave very good tips in this.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: just going to bring the, the topic that I was thought it was interesting. It's crazy to think how everything in the world has someone doing very specific things behind those. Like stocking shelves in supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Someone's doing that. Or everything else at Uber. There's not yeah. just the driver and the company. There's someone behind quality assurance programs. There's someone behind IT. There's someone behind god knows what the strategy for the company
1: yeah it's crazy
0: insane how we became so complex that it takes so many people doing such specific jobs for for the world to keep Mm -hmm. spinning the way it it has been spinning the last couple hundred years
1: i mean we have a like 7 billion no 9 billion people right in the world
0: i don't know i thought it was close to eight but i'm actually not sure well
1: eight nine seven whatever a lot of fucking people um and um we need to have jobs for everyone i mean i don't know about you but i can't live life just chill i either have to study or i have to work and i've been like at least at um, at uni I've never been without something you know to do so I think that these micro jobs they exist not only to ensure quality in every process because if you think about it quality is something that is it exists everywhere even in an interview process even in it in stocking shelves you need to stock shelves in a way that shows quality you can't you know just throw everything in there everything has a thinking behind it and besides that we need people to occupy themselves with something so that's why I remember I read a text that says we already have the technology to automatize 90% of all the professions in the world but we're not going to do it because if we did it then we would break the economy and we would break the cycle of people's lives people would just not know what to do We can make everything automatic. Like most of my work is reading dashboards that are giving me data that is pre-made through a query, right? And then passing those information into people that are attending. But we also have automatized people, uh, bots doing all the self-service things. So you could remove the human element totally from this. like uh cars in the US for Uber and other companies they already are self driving they're testing out drone deliveries so they removed like delivery partners from the 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 equation and that is not only Uber that's like most of the companies that are working with this kind of things what we can't we can't live without and shelf stocking is something we can live without the human element because we have shelves that are stocked by robots in the U.S. as well. Uh, what we can't live without is doctors yet. Yet. <laughs> and that's because we still don't have a robot that is better than doctors at surgeries, but we actually already have people working on those robots.
0: So I'm, I'm going to give a slight different view of that same rent. hmm Which is and going on a few aspects, as in capitalism and how this was completely structured, for us to think a few things that I don't know if they're true or not. Mm -hmm. The second is entering on the different types of jobs, which are jobs where people are serving other people and jobs where people are just working on an organization or structuring something. And I think those are two very good main points into this and probably going to s- skip a little bit also on universal or the way that people get paid nowadays and the way that we could have things run if we had an universal income of sorts where everybody gets paid regardless of anything. I think it's very interesting to have the sense of purpose with a job. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a really capitalist notion that they put as in the job dignifying the man. Mm -hmm. And by man, we mean all people. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that's true. I think having a purpose in life is very important. And people sometimes who don't have purpose are a little bit lost in the sauce. So I think holding purpose is very important. I don't know if holding jobs is something for everybody or regular jobs as we have them right now or all jobs aren't as dignifying as sometimes Mm -hmm. ours is. But the serving part, I think, and I heard that from someone, I think it was Huchi. Which is someone on YouTube Hu Chi Vang alguma coisa. She's on YouTube. She's a drag queen. She's amazingly smart. Like modern world philosopher on YouTube. Okay. Which is great, because our modern world philosopher is her. And she thinks a lot about all those capitalistic structures and how they were assembled and how jobs of people serving people isn't so wasn't it didn't it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be something like people cleaning other people's houses. I'm all for robots, substituting all that type of shit and automatizing those things. Cause really people should be doing other stuff. And on the topic of people should be doing other stuff. I think, yes, having a purpose and doing something is very essential, but not all jobs pay people enough or not all things you can do can become a career.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know where those things enter. Because if someone doesn't pay you, I don't know if it's because you have low visibility, because you're not talented enough, as in someone painting or someone creating art. Even I think it was Van Gogh who died poor, but mm-hmm. now he has paintings that sell for millions. So sometimes talent isn't the, the factor that changes someone's lives. But going on that, I think people should have a purpose. People shouldn't be serving other people. And they should be getting paid regardless of what they're trying to do. If they don't have a purpose, I don't know how to handle that because I don't know what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's my two cents on that rent. Yeah. I think it was very good. Yeah. But I, yeah, interesting discussions. We went so deep today.
1: Thank God. Good we're tips. <laughs>
0: good discussion.
1: Yeah, we weren't very deep for a while. <laughs> See Spotify. You can totally sponsor us. This
0: is great. Yeah. This is Duolingo at its. We can talk about how Spotify
1: revolutionated, revolutionized, revolutionized the music industry. For example, that is something that completely stop to think about, right? But I remember 2013, Spotify didn't exist or was just starting, and I was at an event in England. Don't know somewhere, not in Brazil, and. I just remember in the park, they had this big Spotify. No, I'm lying. It was in Brazil. It was in Lollapalooza, 2015. Spotify had just started, I think. And they had this big balloons of Spotify and they were giving people free trials and whatnot. And I was like, I don't care about this shit. I don't even know what this is. (laughs) And I didn't know. I had no idea. And that was like six years ago. And now I can't live without Spotify. I've been paying for this for so long now and it just broke the internet we don't download music anymore who is you know who's downloading music nowadays it's it's really rare
0: and downloading music is free because that's a concept that uh, i came with the first time i got to know deezer which is a spotify competitor -hmm. But I remember 2013, Vicino, one of our friends, signed up uh, for Deezer. And I'm like, he's paying for something you can download for free. Yeah. (laughs) Which is insane. It's it's just so easy. You put it up, anything, everywhere, all the time, whatever you want, you just Spotify it. And people listening to this probably on Spotify.
1: Yeah, exactly. And let's just say one more thing Netflix broke the internet as well because everybody used to watch movies from torrent on you know movie maker or whatever the fuck you used on your windows computer in 2014 but spotify and netflix they literally broke music and movies industry and that is why so many people are mimicking them now or so many companies are opening with the same premise And then I bring back to Uber because that was the exact same thing. We broke the taxi industry and we had so much shit for it. So and we're still here, you know, and now diversifying ever more our deliveries and our offerings and everything. So that's why I love modern companies and tech companies. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Probably open a tech company eventually. Let's see.
0: You found a purpose. If you're going to open up, call me in.
1: Oh, for sure. You're going to be my everything planner, doer, mathematician, uh, magician.
0: <laughs> magician.
1: <laughs> Magic-like drinker that <laughs> goes out of the snow a... without pants. <laughs> everything.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be your right arm on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Count on it.
0: I loved it. That was great. I hope that happens. It would be super cool. Imagine that. Like, come on. And we could look back into this episode, which was going to be recorded and on the cloud.
1: Exactly. And be like... The cloud. This shit happened. The cloud. The fucking cloud. The cloud. The cloud. What is the cloud? Where is the cloud? Who has access to the cloud?
0: There's Who a bunch of servers somewhere. I mean, Probably nobody.
1: We have a friend that found out she was being cheated on because of the cloud so you know dude we
0: got a different world we had the real world and then
1: internet That's yeah. a, just a whole thing can you imagine life without internet without phones without like instant connection to people having to write a letter or drive somewhere to actually get an answer like imagine pandemic times without the internet
0: that would be deadly like no 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 shot absolutely or, no it, shot
1: or like tv movies entertaining like this is the first time that i think we finally started to value the entertainment industry
0: what if we had still had vhs or dvds we wouldn't be able to go to stores
1: no they exactly that's what i mean you wouldn't be able to post office to post letters to talk to people you would not be able to do anything like go to the supermarket or, or things like that, because we wouldn't really have, I don't know, like we would have the milkman and the milkman wouldn't come anymore. Cause the milkman is forbidden to go deliver milk, you know, like pandemic times would cut all of our relations to the external world without internet or entertaining with entertainment. We wouldn't be able to distract ourselves. We wouldn't be able to work because You know, work remotely would be impossible in a world without the internet and without the connections that we have. And we probably would all go crazy and kill ourselves, to be honest.
0: Yeah, only worse than a pandemic is probably going through a war, like a world war. Imagine that. That must suck.
1: I mean, we will die if there is a world war now. Because I remember when I was in Australia, they were studying that possibility. Uh, because of some conflict with australia and china and they're like if china drops a bomb even near australia like an atomic bomb near australia we would all die literally all die and i remember the u.s was planning you know to attack north korea and china and all that shit so if they hit china or north korea with an atomic bomb it would hit australia so they were they were literally like planning on how much this wait. Structure. How is
0: that even possible? Because they bombed Jap- Japan twice and it's not even that big.
1: Back then now we have but they were like drop
0: massive one.
1: Yeah, now we have different bulbs, different technology. That was just the first. Imagine that. Dude,
0: that's way more. Imagine destroying a city towards this bombing North Korea and going all the way to australia that's far as fuck
1: yeah that's the that's how potent their armory is now like like and not counting the fact that if they drop their bomb into an army facility it will trigger other bombs that are inside there and just spread so
0: don't they have a fail safe for those things that'd be insane i but i remember i was in the u.s during that conflict with north korea and they were like oh they could bomb us anytime because now they have missiles that are in range and then we have anti-missiles artillery i don't know what the fuck it was i was just super scared of Mm. getting bombed by north korea and (laughs) dying in the u.s i'm like what the fuck is this really gonna happen i'm brazilian and i'm
1: dying in the u.s i mean we don't even fight we're totally yeah, we're on chill. top of the on the, um, cima do muro. We're neither we here nor there. We're just like Switzerland with less money, so we need to yeah. like pick a side. But actually, we're not picking anyone. Don't don't attack us.
0: Yeah, don't <laughs> put us in the middle of, of your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they can paint sidewalks. Respect them.
1: Yeah, I'm, and water plants or now, whatever. <laughs> oh God. And be. Pro Bolsonaro, oh thanks so much. Can you get the fuck out of my country now? Like, like kind of like that. Like get the fuck out. If you're a pro Bolsonaro, don't even listen to this shit. I mean, you're at the end of it. So well jokes on you. Thanks for the <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the red.
0: <laughs> Thank you and fuck you.
1: Yeah yeah that that that's it well let's let's wrap up because i think we're going a little crazy here thanks fabio for another amazing episode of Thrilling We podcast it's been fun it's been fun okay bye
0: thank y'all no.